Please open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. And uh, as you look at the top of the outline, you'll see that it says the theme, the title of the message is Behold Jesus. Revelation 1, 1 through 9, and then Revelation chapter 1 through chapter 22. We will look at all 22 chapters this morning and still have lunch. Some of you don't look very hopeful. I hope that you will take this outline, which is just an unfolding of scripture. It quotes no theologian. It quotes from no commentary. It calls you simply to look at scripture and to see the main theme that is in this, as Brother M.A. Thomas from India would say, most simplest book. Just look for Jesus. And that's what we're going to do this morning. By its title, we know without question. That's what this book is about. Now the whole Bible is about Jesus, about the triune God. Uh, used to go to Bible conferences in Greenville, South Carolina and would hear Mr. Joe Carroll often say, the word of God has been given that we might know the God of the word. Our Father, we ask for the ministry of the Spirit of God upon us as we study this sacred part of Scripture. And for this we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you thought about this or not. And we may could add some more. But I'm going to say that there are at least four points, four sections, four concepts or emphases in Scripture that are under attack, have been for a long time. First 11 verses of Genesis multitudes of people who stand in pulpits and who stand behind lecterns and train pastors don't believe in the literalness of the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's a problem. Then we come to something that was longed for and looked forward to, which is the birth of Christ. And we have some sacred scriptures scattered about, but especially in Matthew and in Luke and to some degree in John. And uh, it's hard to get much focus there because there's so much hullabaloo. And even sincere Christians find it hard to get focused and to get impacted by what's set forth. And then you come to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And again, we live in a culture with so much hullabaloo that people want to mix in all this other stuff that you have to do if you're going to be an acceptable Christian. And then last of all, when you come, when you come to the book of Revelation, uh, scares me 
I don't understand that book. Um, or if you don't agree with me, I'm going to drop you from my Facebook friendship. Oh, people do that. And people are focused in on this theory and that theory and this position and that position and miss the main point. You say, what position are you going to go from this morning? The one that's set forth here in Scripture. It is fundamentally, above everything else, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And uh, we know from the first verses there, it is the the revelation or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. He's going to talk about things which are, things which have been, things which are going to be. And he starts out with some very important things and then he lets us know that this is written to Christians. It's written to believers. It's written to saints. It's written to the church. It is written by an apostle. God used an apostle. And who, who's in trouble? Persecution, severe persecution. And he's writing to people who are in persecution. If you know anything about the history of the church, though we've had little of it, the church is filled, the history of the church is filled with persecution. And so, again, all of that's missed because I'm going to stand here and I'm going to prove to you that my position is right on, on the details of this book and and I believe the Bible and that's what the Bible teaches and if you don't believe what I believe then you're wrong because I'm just going to teach what the Bible teaches oh I've sat under and heard many people and read books of people who take that approach and they're sincere we're not going to go that way this morning we're going to take our cue from scripture that this is a book that is to be read, verse 3. You're to hear the words of this prophecy. And uh, there are things that not only you're to, to hear, but there are things for you to keep. There are things to do. There are commands all the way through this book. And so we're going to literally behold Jesus. You can behold Jesus from a different angles in this book. You can take the whole book and scan through it and focus on Jesus the Lamb. Some 20-something times Jesus is revealed as the Lamb. You can take through the whole book and focus on Jesus by uh, looking at the music that is said and sung. There are at least 10 different songs that are said or sung in the book of Revelation. Uh, if you want a, an incredible, profound teaching about worship, Revelation is a great place to go. Obviously, the Psalms are. But worship is an incredible theme of this book as it unfolds Jesus. You're finding again and again on page after page that all the angelic beings in heaven and those redeemed who are pictured as being in heaven in the, in the time of the visions of John's uh, receiving this, 
They're all worshiping. It's a book about worship. So here, here is the master revelation of the revelation. The master revelation of the revelation, the book, is the revelation of Jesus. The unveiling of Jesus and is for the fact that the people who are first receiving this need some encouragement. They're persecuted. They need to have some direction, some hope. People are, when you read John's epistle, 1 John, by what he deals with there, of what he warns against and what he promotes in those five chapters, it's statement after statement after statement of the problems that were in the church at that time. A lot of people were leaving and going back to false doctrine and so forth. So John lived in a difficult time. The Caesars in Rome were on rampages, bent on destroying Christians. Again, the church members, many of the church members were defecting. For John himself, the authorities had finally come and knocked on his door, as it were, taking taking him away, along with a lot of his brothers and sisters, and in his case, taken to the Isle of Patmos and put in hard labor, we believe, working in rock mines, about 85 years old. So he was exiled for the rest of his life. Disturbing days is the context of when this book was written. What about our world? We, We live in a time when there's tidal waves of deception. Uh, People stand in many pulpits and deny or minimize the virgin birth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Masses are going to churches that will allow you to keep your sin and have the Savior too. This is very popular. Well, when God wanted to strengthen the, the spiritual backbone of John and the fellow persecuted Christians, the Holy Spirit unveiled Jesus. Yes, the whole Bible unveils him. Jesus, we, we learn in Luke 24, the, right after the resurrection, the disciples are still in sort of a state of confusion. And he says, look, all the Old Testament, that's about me. So whatever you're reading in the Bible, look for Jesus. If you have any time left, go for something else. <laughs> there are other things there. But it all focuses around Jesus and especially the book of the Revelation. In summary, in the Revelation, we see the risen, ascended, seated in heaven, all-glorious, majestic, and sovereign God, triune God, working in and through his blood-bought redeemed who are on earth before the tribulation and during the tribulation. All through the Revelation, there are scenes of heaven, And the activity is worship. Not something canned, not something to entice your flesh. It's just worship about Jesus. Not performances. During the month of December, many churches will have incredible performances. As I said yesterday in the men's meeting, I was remembering a a big church, doesn't matter where it was, but they had cast from the 
famous Lion King presentation that I guess it may still be done in New York City, but famous play, famous presentation, highly acclaimed, and for this large church's presentation about the birth of Christ, with all the dramatics, had hundreds of people involved in this, and so this was a report. And this member of the church was rejoicing. What cast from the Lion King was here? And they came up and said, we've never seen anything like what you guys have. This is better than anything on, in New York City. You guys were phenomenal. And it was on and on. And not one word of praise or astound, astounding, being astounded at Jesus having come in the flesh. Not a word. That's the way performances are. They stir up your emotions. They thrill you. They please you. But leave you unchanged. In the book of Revelation, the whole Bible. This is why it's boring to a lot of people. That it's just about Jesus and his will for your life. And where you're going to spend eternity and a few things like that. And if you're not interested in that, you're still dead in your sins. And one of the things that this book reveals from the activity of Jesus, your future is going to be really bad. If you're not excited about Jesus. And so Jesus is revealed. Um, he's moving Kings and removing kings and kingdoms and events. He's, he's pouring out judgment and wrath. He's moving all events to that glorious future time when the Lord's will will be done on earth, even as in the same manner as it is in heaven and ultimately for all eternity. Nothing but worship to the Lamb. What about what we're facing. What shall we do about our growing fears? Well, I'm suggesting to myself and to you that we take a long look at the revelation and the Holy Spirit will reveal unto us Jesus as he is. And when we go to Matthew and Luke in the early chapters there, the Holy Spirit will take those scriptures and reveal to us what was happening. They will not just be a little emotional, oh, isn't that cute? Oh, isn't that sweet? Now let's get on with the main event. God will open your eyes and your heart and astound you at the incredible core essential wonders and truth that is set forth in those passages. He unveiled the whole scripture, unveils Jesus as he is, what he's doing, what he has done, what he will do. What is the secret of being empowered to be an overcomer in a world where church folk are drowning in sin. Let's meditate on this book and behold Jesus. Let's receive his words. Let's heed them. Let's keep them. Let's obey them. Let's heed what he says. How can we stay true to the faith when we have friends turning their backs on Christ? Drink deeply and behold Jesus especially in the book of Revelation. 
And so in those first three verses, it's set forth very plainly. You can't miss it. The revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show unto his servants that things which must shortly come to pass when they start happening, they unfold quickly. And he sent and signified them by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ of all the things he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written therein for the time is at hand. The time was at hand when that scroll came maybe to Ephesus first. 2,000 years later, the time is at hand to pay close attention to who Jesus is, to what he's really about, to what he's accomplishing, what he's going to accomplish, and what's coming down the pike. There's stuff to obey here. There's stuff to heed. It's blessed to read all the Bible, but this is the only book of the Bible that specifically says, blessed are those who read this book. Well, no wonder there is such an animosity toward reading this book. So no wonder there's so much. Oh, I can't understand it, but it scares me half to death. This person has this view. This person has this view. I'm confused. Would you like to be confused? Let me take you home to my library and you take home all the commentaries on the book of Revelation that I have and you read them. You'll be confused. You'll never open the book of Revelation again. Take out your Bible study notes. Cover them up. Just read the word. It's plain. It's there for open view. This has been given to John. An apostle. And he's interacting with believers. Some are with him. Some are back where he was. Maybe he was the pastor at Ephesus. We don't know for sure. So, in verse 4 through 8, the first thing that the Holy Spirit does for John is to say, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia... A picture of the complete completion of all churches who are in Christ. Grace be to you in peace from him which was, which is, which was, which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, the fullness of all that the Holy Spirit does. And from Jesus Christ, here's where it really gets exciting now. People who are persecuted, people, their place is missing because these people have been killed. Family members, brothers and sisters, are there on the Isle of Patmos in prison? What's the first thing the Holy Spirit does for John and for all of these persecuted brethren? And from Jesus, who is a faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I can still see this precious lady walking down the aisle, had a, look, had a Sunday school class in here, and we were teaching through the Revelation, and we were talking about the, the persecution that churches have often had throughout the centuries. 
and even in our day. Oh, if we would just, if we could just take a flight and go and sit among and be among hundreds, if not thousands upon thousands of Christians today who've lived all of their life in incredible persecution. We might, it might help us a little bit. But so, she came down the aisle. Pastor Bell, she was a young Christian. Doesn't God love us too much to let us experience that kind of stuff? I didn't give her a long dissertation. I gave her one verse. You want to know if God loves you, Christian? He's proved it. Jesus Christ, the first begotten, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Don't ever get far from that. We're going to need it more and more here. Rome was not in charge. Jesus is. He was and he is. Washington's not. Moscow's not. All the people who think they're so smart and trying to rule the world and run, they're not. And all the things that Jesus accomplished here. And in verse 7, he's coming back. The divine unveiling is, this divine unveiling, the revelation is from one who is on the front lines in warfare, John, to others who are on the front line. You say at this rate, we won't be ready for lunch next Sunday. We're going to be gone in plenty of time. I'm going to leave you with an assignment. Just, just relax. Verse 9 through 11. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in an isle called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's there because he's loyal to Jesus Christ. He's being persecuted. And he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a voice, a great voice. It was of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. And he saw seven golden candlesticks. In the midst, he saw one like the Son of Man, and then there's this incredible description of Jesus as he is today. Obviously, in this one message, we are just pointing out some of the things that are here. We'll have to come back at some later date and, and give some more details. But just pointing it out and saying to you, saying to each one of us, Work your way through this entire book beholding Jesus. Have you seen the meme, a meme, whatever it's called? It's very popular. 
shows this person. I couldn't demonstrate it with anybody other than my wife. It shows a, a, a man, a, a woman, who is embracing Jesus. Gets, gets to heaven and embraces Jesus. Sees him face to face for the first time. Smile, so excited. There's, some, there's a problem. You don't come up to Jesus like you do to some other human being. He's God. And when you see Jesus, all the way through the scripture, when people have a personal, specific, special encounter with Jesus Christ, they fall to their faces in worship, in reverence. He's not your buddy. He's your savior. And he's God. And he's worthy of worship. And the only proper attitude in the presence of him is awe and worship. And so we behold the majestic deity of Christ in those verses, verse 9 through 11, he has complete knowledge. He has mighty power. He is everywhere present. He's all-knowing. He has all wisdom. And when we see him, as John saw him, and when we get to heaven, we'll see him in a similar fashion. But this is for seeing him now. God would have us to so encounter with Jesus Christ from an intimate personal study of these verses, from meditation upon these verses, we should have a similar experience to John. Because we're not just reading words out of a book. We're reading the God-breathed scripture about Jesus. I hope that each one of us will leave here today and spend a lot of time in the next several weeks meditating on the gospel, on, on the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, and in the privacy of your home or in a Sunday school class, or even in this building. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I'm the first and the last. I am the one that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Write, therefore, things which thou hast seen, the things which are, and the things which shall be thereafter, etc. When we behold him. When you and I are studying any portion of God's word, we should be having an encounter with the living God. And we should have a similar experience of bowing and worshiping. And you know what his response will be? We will have comfort like John. And he'll give us a new assignment. Or the next assignment. It's always how it works. In the next section, Revelation 2, verses 
and, and, and three, specific last words to churches, to Christians. And from these verses, we know, is there something more important than this? Do I not need this coming week to know Jesus sees? He knows. He judges. He encourages. He warns. He promises. That's the way he deals with his children. We don't have anything hidden from him. He knows. He judges. He encourages. There are things he likes. Things he doesn't like. He's very plain. He has a special word for every Christian that matches the season of our life. You might be at an Ephesus season. Give him first love. Smyrna season. Suffer for Christ's namesake. Pergamos. Stand for truth in a time of error. Thyatira. Follow after righteousness in the midst of an evil world. Sardis. Manifest life in the time when such, there's so much death about and manifest purity. Philadelphia, keep God's word and don't deny his name. Doesn't matter what others are doing, that's, what, that's our assignment. Laodicea, be wholehearted in a half-hearted world. But Jesus, I'm more interested in you restoring Israel and dumping Rome. After the resurrection... It's where the disciples were. Are you, are you going to restore Israel at this time? Now think about that. Jesus has just laid down his life. He's been resurrected from the dead to provide hope for sinners. To, all of their hope is based on that event. Are, are you, what are you going to do with Israel? That was 2,000 years ago. And Are you aware that nothing has changed? Multitudes of Christians. They're more excited about what they think or what they hope or what they uh, pontificate, whatever that word is, that is going to happen in Israel than they are about the assignments here. We want to focus on what is called modern Israel. I have a simple question for you. Where in the New Testament is that ever the church's agenda? agenda? What we're called to do is to infiltrate society with life and lips, giving evidence of the gospel by the way we live and by boldly preaching the gospel. When the, in Acts uh, 4, 5, or 6, somewhere in there, when the Christians had been persecuted and they didn't come and say, as they prayed, they didn't say, what are you going to do with Israel? They, as it were, opened their Bibles or their scrolls and put, put their finger on, on uh, Psalm 2, I think it's 2 or 22, whichever one it is. And said, Lord, the heathen are raging. 
You spend a lot of time going to the newscasts and the podcasts and trying to understand what's going on in the world. Let me tell you what's going on in the world. The heathen are raging. Well, Lord, explain all that to us. No. Lord, give us boldness for the gospel. God is, look at Revelation. God is in control. Jesus is in control. He's got, he moves everything according to his will and purpose and time. And we don't have to worry about what's going to happen. He has it in control. That's his business. He's given us an assignment in the midst of it, regardless of what is happening, to be holy and set apart and to live the gospel and to preach the gospel until he comes. On every point of, that is critical for the Christian, there's always options and people got ideas and people want us to go down some other alley rather than stay focused on what God has called us to do. In chapter 4, we've got about 10 more minutes. Just relax. In great wonder, John is caught up into heaven where he sees a vision of God Almighty on his throne. He learns things which will be taking place later in the present time and later he's ushered into the, to the most grand experience I think he's ever had. Or it's just one more at the top of the heap of all he's learning. God brings him into a worship scene where the 24 elders representing those redeemed and the four living creatures, your Bibles might say the four beasts, before angelic beings, and they are worshiping God. And that's the full-time activity of heaven. Now, we can't stand to spend much time worshiping God down here, and we've got to have some entertainment or else we won't do it. Well, don't count on going to heaven. You don't go to heaven to learn heavenly things for the first time. The Spirit of God begins to work in our life and we are transformed as we read and meditate and follow in the steps of Jesus in the Word of God and we have some heaven on the way to heaven. Not because it's easy outside. Not because it's not a war zone, but in spite of it all. Because we are beholding Jesus. We can have a grand time. This is all the way through the revelation. He's beholding the triune God. And they're worshiping. All the beings around are worshiping. And oh, by the way, in verse 11, we find out why we were created. We were created to bring him pleasure. All things and all of us were created to bring him pleasure. Created to do his bidding. You know, if, if we're tuned in right, if we're quickened by the Spirit of God, whatever brings him pleasure is going to bring us pleasure.
because we will be doing the thing for which we were created. And that is, is a, if you go to a new job tomorrow and there's all this stuff you got to learn, the first few days, you don't know if you're going to make it or not. It's all Greek to you. Uh, will I come back tomorrow? I had that experience. One day, student teaching in West Nashville, 11th graders. I'm about to graduate from college. The longest day of my life, and I never went back. They knew more than I did. I had the first little understanding of, you know, I really should have had a little bit less fun at college and studied a little bit more. I didn't know anything. You don't go to heaven to enter into a world that you've never partaken of down here. We're called to worship him. Over and over and over. See, people go to the book of Revelation. Well, I think Russia's going to do this, and I think China's going to do this, and I think this is going to happen to Israel, and this is going to happen, and this is when it's going to happen, and on a, and somebody else comes along and tells you a different story. And all of sincere, that's not what the book of Revelation is about. It's about the unveiling of Jesus and calling us on every page to behold him and equipping saints who are in times of trouble and difficulty to be bold as a lion, to be strong, to be set apart, to be holy, to worship him, to love him, to serve him. And to know that no matter how difficult it is right now, no matter how good it is right now, heaven's coming. It's going to last for eternity. In chapter 5, behold Jesus, the Lamb of God. He's in charge. It's all going out according to plan. And so you get to one of the songs of heaven. And we'll probably have to close here and then I'll give you your assignment. In chapter 5, verse 11. Let's go back to verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and people, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Right now, as a Christian, you are a king and a priest. By the power of the Spirit of God living within you, you are able to rule over your circumstances, and you're able to help introduce others to Jesus. And then you're going to reign with Jesus Christ for all eternity. You'll see him face to face and rule and reign with him. And so the angels and all about the throne 
ten thousands times the ten thousands, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb. Some 20-something times now in the Revelation, we are the unfolding of the Lamb. You were slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is under heaven and on the earth and under the earth and all as such as are in the sea and all them heard our saying. You say, I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't either. But God says this is what happened and that's all I need to know. And what are they saying? Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And there's an amen and there's a falling down and worshiping him. Do you get the idea? This book is about Jesus. You don't have to go to seminary. In fact, I'd recommend that you not go to seminary if you want to understand the book of Revelation. Just read it. You have the master teacher, the Holy Spirit within you, and it is written so plain you can't miss it. Oh, there's some things that you, you and I may not know and understand some of the details till we get to heaven. But you can surely see and understand mountains of life-transforming truth just by reading it and saying, Lord, speak to me. Lord, show me which church I'm most like. Lord, show us. Lord, I, I see all this worship in heaven. I see this revelation of it's, it's, I don't want to ever again look at a child play acting, pretending to be Jesus. And at the right time, going through the little story, they pull Jesus out from under the clothing to show the birth of Christ. That's so sweet. And everybody laughs. What's wrong with it? Let me ask you another question. What's wrong with hiding God? What's wrong with hiding deity? John the Baptist, in the womb of his mother, understood better than that. He worshiped. No play acts. No one in Scripture play acts. No one reenacts the birth of Christ. No one reenacts the death and resurrection of Christ because you hide the deity. You elevate a performance. You say, well, I went to all that and I was blessed. I'm not talking about. I'm not going to debate with you. I'm just telling you, according to the word of God, you don't deal with me. You and I both have to deal with Jesus. And we are missing something. Incredibly missing something. If we dumb down to being excited about play acting. And we miss the real thing. John the Baptist in the womb did not miss the real thing. The early disciples did not miss the real thing at Christ's birth at his burial, as a resurrection and living, and they did not miss the real thing when they got this book. 
and began to read. And the spiritual strength was empowered. They were living in tough times. But tough times are no match for the simplest child of God who's reading God's word, quickened by the spirit of God, and is in, informed and empowered with this is who Jesus really is. This is what he's called me to do. This is going to be my eternity. This is 24 hours, seven days a week activity of heaven. Worship. Worshiping the Lamb. Now your assignment is for you and I to both go home and open the book of Revelation. This only serves to say, in this chapter, behold him doing this. In this chapter, behold him doing We're just calling your attention. Most of us have never read through the book of Revelation with one passion. What is Jesus doing here? What is revealed of Jesus here? What is he saying to me? What does he want to say through me here? What is this message to me? That's what the book of Revelation is all about. Please go home and do that. Let's pray for one another. It'll be an exciting journey. And God will empower you as you go to the workplace tomorrow. To God be the glory. Father, we thank you for the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the comfort that it gives us. We thank you for the call to worship that it brings us to. We thank you for the fresh awareness of important assignments, just like those believers there in Acts 4. We're being persecuted. Lord, look at the heathen. Look what they're doing. But Lord, most of all, give us boldness for the gospel. We bless you, we praise you. For us in Christ's name we pray. Amen.